Hi, and welcome to the Bell Podcast. How's everybody doing today? It's a beautiful day. I hope you're smiling. Hope you're having a great one. The article that we're going to be discussing today is Could Taiwan Spark World War III? Sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? Well, let's get into it. We're going to start by asking why Taiwan is important in the first place. Well, China is Taiwan's largest trading partner, with bilateral trade worth $273 billion last year, accounting for 33% of the island's total trade with the rest of the world, according to the Taiwanese government, the second being the United States. From 2017 to 2022, Taiwan exported a total of $515 billion to China, and exported half of that, $245 billion, to the U.S., Interestingly though, Hong Kong is slightly below the US at 240 billion. Now, in terms of foreign relations, Taiwan is an important US partner in health and investment, trade, semiconductor and other critical supply chains, science, technology, investment screening, education, and advancing democratic values. That's a lot. I mean, come on. On the other hand, however, Taiwanese exports to mainland China were at an all-time high in 2021. More importantly though, they have China in a chokehold over semiconductors. In 2020, China spent more on importing chips than it did oil, guys. I mean, come on, you know how they are about oil. (laughs) China is also believed by many to be stockpiling chips for a majority of market share. Furthermore, China won't become self-reliant in semiconductors for at least another decade, despite Beijing's huge financial investment in its large-scale semiconductor effort currently underway. All of this is according to global data analyst Michael Orm. Taiwan is the world's top contract manufacturer of semiconductor chips, and its industry is booming despite tensions with China. These chips are found in almost all electronics, including smartphones, vehicles, computers, and even defense systems that rely on artificial intelligence. Companies in Taiwan were responsible for more than 60% of revenue generated by the world's semiconductor contract manufacturers in 2020. Much of that is due to Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, or the TSMC for short. This is the world's largest contract chip maker and the top supplier for Apple and other major U.S. companies. It is one of only two companies in the world, the other being South Korean-based Samsung, that has the technological know-how to make the smallest, most advanced chips in the entire world. Not only that, guys, it makes more than 90% of them. That's crazy. Taiwan's importance to the global semiconductor industry cannot be understated. TSMC is hands down the world's largest contract chip manufacturer and Asia's most valuable listed company at $600 billion. I'd really like a a slice of that pie, guys. I mean, come on. Much of the world's global supply chain of semiconductors is heavily reliant. On Taiwan. Now, let's move on to the history of Taiwan US China relations. 
This may seem a little bit boring to you guys, but I promise it's very important to understand the current situation. Now, the United States approach to Taiwan has remained consistent across decades and administrations. The United States has long acknowledged the One China policy, which is guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, or the TRA, which was signed in 1979. Also, the three U.S.-China joint communiques from 1972 to 1982. And finally, the Six Assurances, which was also signed in 1982. They oppose any unilateral changes to the status quo from either side and employ a policy of strategic ambiguity wherein they do not support Taiwanese independence but expect cross-strait differences to be, to be resolved by peaceful means. Intentionally leaving open the option to come to Taiwan's defense in all treaties if it does not. According to the Council on Foreign Relations, a U.S.-based think tank, quote, we continue to have an abiding interest in the peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. <clears throat> Consistent with the TRA, the United States makes available defense articles and services as necessary to enable Taiwan to maintain a sufficient self-defense capability and maintains our capacity to resist any resort to force or other forms of coercion that would jeopardize the security or the social or economic system of Taiwan. The TRA is the current policy and provides for Taiwan to be treated under U.S. laws, the same as foreign countries, nations, states, governments, or similar entities. In layman terms, they treat Taiwan as a sub-sovereign foreign state equivalent. The act provides that for most practical purposes of the U.S. government, the absence of diplomatic relations and recognition will have zero effect and that the U.S.-Taiwan policy will not be changed unilaterally by the president. This was a specific addition that they made sure made it in. Any decision to defend Taiwan will have to be made with the consent of Congress. Now, let's go way back. In terms of relations with China, <clears throat> we begin in 1895, when China gives up Taiwan to Japan after losing the first Sino-Japanese War. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to pay very close attention to this, because this is very important. <clears throat> then in China, revolution takes place in 1911 to overthrow the imperial system, and establishes the Republic of China. Finally, in 1945, China takes back control of Taiwan from Japan during World War II, subsequently followed by civil war erupting in China between nationalist government forces led by Chiang Kai-shek and against Mao Zedong's Communist Party. In the end, the Communists won in 1949 and took control in Beijing. Chiang Kai-shek and what was left of the Nationalist Party fled to Taiwan, where they ruled for the next several decades. China points to this history to say that Taiwan was originally a Chinese province. But the Taiwanese point to the same history to argue that they were never part of the modern Chinese state that was first formed after the revolution in 1911, or the People's Republic of China that was established under Mao in 1949. 
Taiwan has been governed independently of China either way since 1949 and has never wanted to be under CCP rule. But Beijing views the island as part of its territory. Beijing has vowed to eventually unify Taiwan with the mainland by 1949, er, I apologize, by 2049, using force if necessary. However, increasing economic and military pressure has led to the rise of the Democratic Progressive Party, or the DDP for short. The DDP in Taiwan has traditionally held that Taiwan is already an independent state governing the territories of Kinmen, Matsu, the Pingu Islands, and the island of Taiwan, thus rendering a formal declaration of independence completely unnecessary. This has culminated in Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen openly calling to recognize, openly calling for China to recognize this fact in early 2020. She's brave, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Under President Donald Trump, the United States deepened ties with Taiwan over Chinese objections, including by selling more than 18 billion worth of arms to the military and unveiling a $250 million complex for its de facto embassy in Taipei. Trump also spoke with Tsai, the president, by telephone ahead of his inauguration, the highest level of contact between the two sides since 1979. He also sent several senior administration officials, including a cabinet member, to Taipei. Including his last days in office, the State Department eliminated long-held restrictions governing where and how U.S. officials can meet with their Taiwanese counterparts. The Biden administration, for their part, has taken a similar approach, continuing arms sales and affirming the Trump administration's decision to allow U.S. officials to meet more freely with Taiwanese officials. Also, Biden was the first U.S. president to invite Taiwanese representatives to attend the presidential inauguration. These efforts are seen by China as the U.S. meddling in China's affairs. Now let's get to current affairs with the rising tensions around China. Beijing isn't going to have someone push them around. The PLA, or the People's Liberation Army, the military wing of the CCP, has made preparing for a Taiwan contingency one of its top priorities, and Taiwan has been a major catalyst for China's military modernization. In a 2019 defense white paper, the PLA said it would, quote, resolutely defeat anyone attempting to separate China from Taiwan. China has also made moves to secure the South China Sea and surrounding waters as its own, establishing military blockades around entire country's coastlines, including Australia. This includes the Taiwan Strait. As stated, Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen, whose party platform favors independence, has rebuked Beijing's efforts to undermine their democracy. Furthermore, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's controversial visit to Taipei in the beginning of August of this year was seen by Beijing as strengthening of U.S.-Taiwan relations. In retaliation, the PLA began live-fire military exercises in six different air and maritime areas around Taiwan. Then, 
China called for all foreign ships and aircraft to avoid the areas it designated for the exercise, which some analysts say could be construed as a symbolic blockade. Others say Beijing encircling of Taiwan with large-scale military drills is a bid to normalize aggression and change the status quo by squeezing its democratic neighbor's control over its waters and airspace. The drills, which were branded provocative and irresponsible by the White House, involved long-range live ammunition firing in the Taiwan Strait. 110 aircraft and 41 Chinese vessels crossing the median line over three days through Sunday. China fired three Dongfeng ballistic missiles into waters north, east, and south of Taiwan on Thursday, and on consecutive days sent unmanned planes over Taiwan's outlying Kinmen Islands, which lie very close to China. These drills were due to end on Sunday. But on Monday, however, the PLA's Eastern Theater Command said it would continue to conduct live fire combat joint exercises and training in the waters and airspace around Taiwan. Quote, focusing on joint anti-submarine and naval commando operations. Okay. Beijing has also used non-military measures to pressure Taiwan. They have pushed for Taiwan's exclusion from multilateral trading blocks including the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's a mouthful. And the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. Taiwan also is not part of the Biden administration's Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. In 2016, due to the rise in power of the DDP, China suspended a cross-strait communication mechanism with the main Taiwan Liaison Office and restricted tourism in Taiwan, bringing number of mainland tourists from Taiwan from a high of over 4 million in 2015 down to 2.7 million in 2019. Furthermore, China has also pressured global corporations, including airlines and hotel chains, to list Taiwan as a Chinese province, as well as banning imports of some fruit and fish from Taiwan. I mean, talk about petty, guys. (laughs) Finally, China has intimidated countries that have ties with Taiwan. For example, in 2021, China cut off trade with Lithuania for opening a Taiwanese representative office in its capital. In 2020, Taipei accused four Chinese groups of hacking into at least 10 Taiwanese government government agencies and 6,000 official email accounts since 2018 to try and access government data and personal information. So, ladies and gentlemen, what is the conclusion? Well, of course an increasing number of Taiwanese people feel more closely tied to Taiwan than to the mainland due to these aggressions. According to surveys done by the National Chang-Chi University, More than 62% of the island's residents regarded themselves as exclusively Taiwanese in 2021. It's pretty big. By comparison, 32% identified as both Taiwanese and Chinese, down from 40% a decade earlier. Even more so, only about 3% considered themselves only Chinese, a figure that has decreased massively since 1994 when 26% identified that way. 
you know, that may seem silly and not really pertinent. However, that is the issue of the day. However, Taiwan likely doesn't have the capabilities to defend against the Chinese attack without external support. Even though Tsai and the DDP have prioritized increased defense spending, with a record budget of nearly 17 billion for 2020. China's spending is still estimated to be around 22 times that, though. I mean, I mean, 22 times. In 2022, Taiwanese lawmakers approved the Tsai government's plan to spend an extra 8.6 billion on defense over the next five years. Part of this expanded military budget will go towards acquiring cruise missiles, naval mines, and advanced surveillance systems to defend Taiwan's coast, which was much needed. The U.S. Department of Defense said in a 2021 report that China's military, the PLA, is, quote, likely preparing for a contingency to unify Taiwan with the PRC by force, while simultaneously deterring, delaying, or denying any third-party intervention, such as the United States. So yes, Taiwan, global semiconductor superpower to the world and close geopolitical partner to the U.S. and China, could very well spark the fires that lead us to World War III. But could one ace up Taiwan's sleeve keep the country at peace? There is a danger that any Chinese invasion of Taiwan in the next five years would damage or destroy much of the tech infrastructure China relies on to feed its electronics and manufacturing industries with key components, says global data analyst Michael Orm. The economic fallout of a full-scale invasion might include Taiwan's semiconductor industry becoming the spoils of war, but equally, the Taiwanese might be ready, willing, and very seriously able to sabotage or even destroy semiconductor plants themselves. <clears throat> most notably, TSMC's network to deprive China of most of those spoils. Global data analyst Michael Orm says, quote, and it is questionable whether the Chinese could operate the fabs without the cooperation of the world-beating TSMC team of managers, researchers, and engineers, at least for a few years, there would be absolutely no guarantee that their cooperation would be forthcoming. So what do you guys think? Will Taiwan spark World War III? Well, only time can tell. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and please feel free to look at the other episodes. I hope you have a great day and make sure you're drinking some water. All right, I'll see you guys.